Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Um, well, the first verse I'm going to read with you this morning in my message is between the manger and the cross. It's in Micah chapter, four, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Before that, I would like to welcome all of you this morning. Those who are coming here for the first time, I have been here before. We are really happy and glad to have you all with us. My prayer is that the Lord will speak to you, that you understand what Christmas is all about. I have, I have printed uh, something to give you. I want you to take it home and, and, and read it later. Please don't read now. Oh, actually, I'm going to leave at the back, but I think you, you, you'd better get a copy. Um, it's very interesting. Um, it's, when was Jesus born? It doesn't tell the date there, but it gives you something to think about. It's debatable, but we can have an idea. Um, here we go. Here we go. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is the first verse I'm going to read for you today. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you, where are you? Where are you? You lost me. Uh. <laughs> you do that to everybody, no? <clears throat> Out of you, where was I? Will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the old, from ancient times. Time that we have never, or we have no idea what it is. It is before the foundation of the world. Although we're going to read some other verses throughout, I'm just going to start here now. Let's pray once again. Father God, help us to understand your word this morning. Bring that word into our hearts and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as a demires of good stories... How many of you here normally listen to bad stories when you go to bed? Huh? Do you like bad stories? No? Wow, wonderful. Good. Good. Me neither. Uh, I didn't have anybody to read me one anyway. <laughs> when I was young like you. But those who are demise of good story, even though you don't read in bad stories, but you, you like to read a book. Do you like to read a book? How many of you like to read? Whoa, well done. So we tend to value... A well-constructed and cohesive narratives, which from start to finish maintain a consistency in what is presented. Given this, one of the worst feelings is when you start to watch a movie and then you suddenly fell asleep right at the beginning and then you miss the whole of the, at least the most important part of it. And then when it comes to the, to the apps or the end <clears throat> or the climax of the movie, suddenly you wake up and then you start to ask questions. You know, at this moment, the questions that arise, normally uh, James are very good at it. At home, one is, uh, I'm joking, James. 
He said, or did the good guy became a villain? Why are the protagonist couple no longer together? Did someone die? So facts need a scenario to explain them. Stories need a beginning, a middle, and an end. Are you with me? Good. If we lose sight of any component, or, you know, the narrative will certainly not reach the proposed end, consequently compromising the complete understanding of the story. Contrary to what many people think, the gospel is also a story that had a beginning. It didn't start in Matthew. It started before that. The gospel is a story, and the Christian worldview is expressed in the form of a narrative that contains three main acts. Creation, the fall, and redemption. You cannot take those away. There are few Stories as profound and enduring as the narrative of the manger and the cross. And I did send Beatrice a picture, but she's not here this morning. We, um, we went to pick up our friends, came from Portugal. Adriana did get home until 3 o'clock in the morning. I was already sleeping anyway. Took two hours to get the, the luggage. But, you know, these two symbols representing the birth and the crucifixion of Christ, lie at the heart of the Christianity, serving as a cornerstone for our faith, uh, or for the faith of, of, of all those who believe. Oh, that's the picture. Thank you. You know, the manger, humble and unassuming, where God became man and the Word became flesh, represents the beginning of Jesus' earthly journey, marked by his miracle birth in Bethlehem. But in contrast, the cross stands as a stark reminder of his ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for us. For our sins. Or the crucifixion on Calvary. Where your sin and mine. Were atoned for. And the promise of redemption and salvation. Where God himself. Did it for us. For you and I. So there he defeated the devil. And his works. Hallelujah. And he, and, and he was sealed. On the third day. When he rose from the dead. As we know it. As we profess it, as we believe it. Can I hear amen? amen? So this theme explores the powerful and the interconnected narratives of the manger and the cross. Diving into their theological significance, which I'm not going too deep this morning, the historical context and enduring relevance to the modern world today. The manger. What about the manger? You know, the manger is not isolated from the cross, nor is the cross detached from the manger. 
We cannot celebrate Christmas without envisioning the work of the cross. And the boy cradled in Mary's arms, we glimpse the man whose hands bore the pressing nails. The manger, the cross, and ultimately the empty tomb align in favor of humanity as it is the ultimate and the profound expression of God's grace to all of us at all time and at any time. Join me as I'm trying to unveil the threads of this timeless story, just seeking to grasp the essence of redemption and the enduring legacy of Jesus Christ, our Lord, born in a manger. When was Jesus born? Most people say 25th of December. Unfortunately, some people may be disappointed today. No, he, he did not. He wasn't born on the 25th of December. Now, the Hebrew calendar and the Gregorian calendar, the one we use today, uh, most commonly used today, do not align perfectly. So it is challenging to determine the exact Hebrew month which Jesus was born. Most scholars, what well, scholars are those who study and, and search and, and research and they believe that Jesus was born the late summer or early fall, possibly in the Hebrew month of Tishrei. In the month of Tishrei, there are four Jewish holidays, in other words, four feasts. The paper that I'm, I'm giving to you will tell you a little bit more about that. The first one is called the Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Jewish New Year marks the beginning of the Jewish high uh, holy days. The second feast is the Yom Kippur. You've heard of that. It's the Day of Atonement. It's the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. It is the day of fasting, prayer, and repentance when Jewish people seek forgiveness for their sins. The third one is called the Sukkot or Sukkot, whatever uh, you pronunciation, but it's called the Sukkot, also known as the Feast of the Tabernacle. I mean, all the scholars have their understanding, and I'm not a scholar, but I have my beliefs. And I believe that was probably here. That's my belief. You don't have to believe same as me. That's why I give you the paper so you can have a look at it. Because... The Bible says he will be called what? Emmanuel, God with us. What is the Feast of Sukkot means? Also known as the Feast of the Tabernacles or Booths. In a week-long festival that commemorates the Israelites wandering in the desert. During this holiday, Jewish families build temporary Sukkot or booths or tents. You know? Outdoors and eat their meals inside them. The sukkah or represents the temporary dwelling used by the Israelites, and God with us. And then the and the and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now the fourth feast is called the Shemini Atzeret. 
is a separate holiday that follows Sukkot. And it is a day of reflection and prayer. Simchat Torah, uh, which immediately follows Shemini uh, Atzeret, is a joyful celebration of the completion of the annual Torah reading cycle, where people would then read uh, the whole uh, um, scripture. Din Shimchat Torah, the Torah scrolls were taken out of the ark and the people danced and sing with them rejoicing in the Torah. Imagine if we all stand here and stand as we read the whole Bible. What about that? I don't think so, Pastor. Yeah? Anyway, however, it is important to note that the specific date of Jesus' birth is not mentioned in the New Testament. And historical records from that time are scarce. So therefore, that is, you cannot, I cannot say it was born in that particular time. I can only believe in, in this sense. But anyway, the celebration of Jesus on December 25th in the Gregorian calendar is a later tradition that developed in Christian church, and it is not based in historical evidence of the actual date of his birth. You see how strong tradition can be? People think that if we don't have a particular celebration on that particular day, oh, we may sin against God. No, we don't. Oh, we are committing a sacrilege. No, we are not. But what is Christmas? Christmas is a celebration and it is the celebration of light and life. The life and the life that arises from the Son of God Himself, Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Christmas is also a declaration of the Emmanuel, God with us. At the beginning in the Old Testament and the beginning of the Gospel of John, we find the words, in the beginning. That is, before anything existed, God is. Not was, He is. God who together with the triune God, God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit worked to promote life. God was in the beginning. You may be asked by the skepticals, if God knew mankind would fall, why did he create them? Now, I want you to pay attention to my declaration here this morning. Man's fall, listen to this, man's fall does not say God had to come up with a plan B. God has no plan B whatsoever. Why? Now we're going to go to the second passage of this morning, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And if, we, if you know hermeneutics, or if you understand, if you are able to interpret a text, you see, you know exactly what Paul means here. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us where? In Christ. And then there is two little words that says, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
Based on this text, we could say, we can say that the cross was planned before the foundation of the world. Therefore, God does not make mistakes. He's God. But what message does the manger tell us? Tells us that we are not to be kind only at Christmas time, even if we are using the Gregorian calendar. Because God's gifts, or God's gift to us, place in that manger, as we picture here today, but it's not as nice, or maybe it's not nice like that one. was not only for a specific time, place, or a specific people, but to all humanity, near and far, as Peter said, and as many to those that the Lord calls. Has the Lord called you? It is for you. The manger also tells us that we are not to seek God only at Christmas on Gregory calendar. <laughs> because if you want to seek God only according to the Gregorian calendar, you already missed Christmas. Do not let tradition blind us. What is so special about Christmas 25th December? I tell you, beyond a shadow of doubt, that many people that celebrate Christmas run around the house, go around the shopping centers, the supermarket, and they are more worried about having the perfect party, the perfect Christmas party, than acknowledging that Emmanuel, the very God, with us. Oh, everything must be perfect. Like in my house, if you look at my house, the, the, the Christmas uh, table is already set up two days ago. <laughs> and I cannot even come near it. <laughs> Joking. But, uh, you know, we should celebrate Christmas every opportunity we see somebody coming to Christ. Right? God had to come so we could understand his message. But what is Christmas is all about? What does a manger has to do with us? The Bible says that the, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Because of our sins, we were separated from God. We could not understand his message of love towards us. And we could not even communicate with us. Although he took many steps towards establishing a channel of communication with us by sending his prophets, his word. He showed his, his glory, his power, his signs and wonders. But mercy and love many times, not once, but many, many times. If you look at the, the book of Judges, you see that uh, and the people did what was fit what they thought was fit for them to do, and then they have despised the Lord, and then the enemies came, you know, subjugated them, and God came and delivered them because they prayed for it, and then they rebelled again, God saved them again, rebelled again, is this goes there, you know, back and forth. Every time, that's human MO. 
modus operandis. Am I wrong? Or am I right? Or am I right? You know, but humanity failed to understand and accept his message. But this is what we read in Hebrew chapter 1. Now, from verse 1, this is a, probably the longest reading of the day. Long ago, it's Hebrew chapter 1 from verse 1. We we'll go all the way to verse 4, I believe. Long ago, God spoke. Uh, I'll use that version. In the past, God spoke to our foreign fathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. You see, God tried to communicate with us in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us not through cameras. He can use cameras. But he said, not to anybody else. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to his. I'm going to talk about the name in a minute. How then God was able to effectively speak to us. Let me try to explain you with a very simple story. And those who here will probably understand me. A child was playing near an anthill. Alright. Without realizing it, the ants climbed up his legs and bit him mercilessly. The mother came to her son who protested indignantly, Why did they bite me, mom? I just wanted to play with them. The mother then tried to explain, Son, they don't understand you because you are a human being and they are insects. Only you, you, if you become an ant, then they would be able to understand you. Are you following me? In the same way, we can compare this angry anthill with humanity. When God created human beings, he created them for friendship. However, sin entered the world and enmity affected their relationships with God and with each other. Human beings no longer understood each other with God. Not with their neighbors or with themselves. How many times have you understood yourself, your stupid actions, reactions, choices? Oh, how could I do that? How many times you question yourself about that? How could I do that? Did you get the answer right to Steve's question and his message? 
when he said, why Christmas comes about and who is Christmas for? My answer is that Christmas is for you and me. Second, Christmas happened to bring back the peace once broken by man's disobedience. To reestablish God's friendship with humanity. Jesus came into the world in human form to convey God's love. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and swallowed him and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. That's Luke 2 verse 7. There was no place for him in the inn. It's Christmas time. Where is Jesus to be born? Do you have a place for him in your heart? Or should he go and stay in a stable? In his immense grace, he comes to meet us where we are. He has to, he took the first step by coming as a baby in a manger. Now, referring to Jayan's message, where do you find the manger? Where is the manger? Where would you find a manger? In a stable, right? And normally far away from the house because what it does is, is it nice? Do you have a uh, uh, air freshener in the stable? No, I don't think so. What do you see around the stable? A horse, a cow, a donkey, you can see many things. Do you think it is nice and, and tidy as this one? I don't know, maybe. Or sometimes as we portray that, uh, our Christmas play, look how nice this manger is. Look at this. Huh? Isn't it? Oh, the baby fell off the manger. <laughs> I put it back in. No. Let me tell you. It was dirty. Filthy. No Wellington boots to wear when you walk around. No. Smelly. And not so hygienic for a baby to be born in it. We cannot glamorize the episode or pretentiously put a coat of religiosity on it and think that it was a cozy place to be because our movies or our plays shows like that. No, it wasn't. It was a humiliating place for a human being to be born. Especially the one which bears the name of God, God himself. It was that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of humanity, my Savior, your Savior was born. Look how hum humiliating that will be. There's a child to be born. Bella are going to be, I'm already a granddaddy, of course. It's not materialized it yet. You see how Jamie spoke it so much about it last time. I contain myself. But how humiliating that would be for you and me to have our babies born there. Would you, James, allow your child to be born on your shed? 
But when it comes to Christ, it's not humiliating. Do you know why? It is a humble act of the creator of heaven and earth. Just because he loved you and me. Although people in the inn had no place for them, I believe God has found many places, many hearts where Jesus was already born. And here in this place we can say that, hallelujah. The manger message tells that Jesus was willing to come into the world who has been the very nature of God. That's the next text. Did not consider equally with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and be found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every, and, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. You know, extend his hands to us. It offered us this forgiveness and his friendship. How is your relationship with God right now, today? How do we see the act of humility coming down from heaven, be born in a manger? He is your relationship with God guaranteed passage. Without him, you have no way back to God because he said so. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father but me. All that professed to be a message of God is dead and buried. But he who was the message of God himself was buried, but he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Remember, Jesus desires your friendship for if we were enemies, even though when we were enemies of God, he reconciled us with him. Now let's read Romans chapter 5 verse 10, shall we? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? That's a statement. The manger also tells us that he had the mission and the mission to save us because of his life. And his mission was determined in his name, Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23, the angel revealed, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Emmanuel. He would also be known as God with us. In this name, there is no projection of a successful career but a path of pain, suffering, and death. Interesting. Um, 
One day, a doctor came into the ward and, and saw in the bed a piece of paper with uh, various names on it, or, or phrases. And it was a man who had just came to pick up his wife and his son. And then on that paper, he was saying, Dr. John, Engineer John, um, Prime Minister John, um, Carpenter John, um, Professor John, and the doctor laughed. What? The man was trying to find a suitable name for his son. So what, how his son would be called when he was grown up? Dr. John, Prime Minister John, not John Major. But here, a name that fits the purpose. A name, as I said, with no projection of a career. And not Dr. Jesus, although he healed many. Not Professor Jesus, as he taught many. Right? But a name that is above all other names. A name when it's spoken, the devil trembles and runs away. Because the name that is power in the name of Jesus. And this name, there is salvation in the name of Jesus. If you're going to be saved, call upon the name of Jesus. That's why in some nativities, sins, we may see the manger with a child with an open arms. Because this child will grow up to give his life out for his people. Hallelujah. Turn to what Jesus did for us. We can project a future and a hope for ourselves. In him and in him alone. I can say, I will see tomorrow whatever happened. Even if my body shut up completely, I will see tomorrow because I know he lives. I can face tomorrow, either here or in eternity, because he's my Savior and he's my Lord and he's my God. You know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the sun sets you free, you shall free indeed. So where did Christmas start? I tell you, the answer is very simple and clear. In the beginning, in the mind of God, in the heart of God, because he knew. But what about your life? What about my life? Have you ever experienced Christmas at least once in your life? What is Christmas? Is when Jesus is born. Are you worried, sad? Are you worried and sad, lost and confused? Have you missed the first scenes of the story, or the movie of your life? Are you now asking what is happening? Why is this happening to me? What have I missed? Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit of God is here this morning to give you clarity about not only his story, but what his story means to your story. When he enters your story, and your story makes sense, and then you stop asking the questions, the confusing questions, the sadness questions. The Lord of Christmas is here today to grant you 
An assurance that the baby born in a manger became a man and died on the cross to save you. Come to Jesus today. Trust him with all your heart and you will experience the power that transformed death into life. Worry into confidence. Despair into hope. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me tell you, brother and sister, it is Christmas. But what it means to be Christmas? I tell you what it means to be Christmas today. It's Christmas tomorrow. It's Christmas after tomorrow. It's Christmas. Can be Christmas every day. It's a time to make a difference in the history of this world and its people. Because that's why the Son of Man came. That's the Son of God came down. To change, to to save the world. The same difference that Christ makes in my life, in your life, He wants to make in the life of your neighbor, of your friend, of your children. You are to witness to your children the power of Christmas every day. Time to forget offenses and focus on forgiveness. Time to experience more real love and less virtual love. Time to shut up about the lies and the political correctness and witness the truth. Stop pretending that you care for the church of Christ and don't give a dime for it. Neither your time, neither your time in prayer and you study the word of God is always a time to say, stop, enough is enough. God is calling you and I to stand before Him today because one day we will stand before His throne and there will be no more excuse, no time for say, oh, sorry, Lord, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't have time. Time to visit the sick and alleviate the lack of company. Time to distribute bread instead of have to take and throw it away tomorrow. Time to experience new things in your life. The Son of God comes into the world and the first place where His rest is in the manger. A place in which animals eat pastures. You know, this leaves us shocked and perplexed, doesn't it? Oh, at least it should. Sometimes we are not because we are still glamorizing it, Right? However, it was the ugliest and dirty manger that welcomed the child. Not the clean and fragrant beds in the inns, not in the palaces. Jesus, God himself, made human, is born in a crude inn and is accommodated in a dirty and ugly land. Now let's imagine the scene here, you know, before all the imperfection of the manger were highlighted. Now with Jesus, where he stays, and then all the people that come to visit him, to see him. And all these things are there, the scenario. Now, but they found the reason to be there. Why? Because Jesus, because, because it was Jesus. If you look at the condition of the manger, 
the manger was filthy and dirty. But now when Jesus is born, you forget about what the manger looks like or or smells like. Do you know why? Because Jesus is there. What I want to bring to you this morning is this. Doesn't matter how dirty you think you are. When Jesus in your life, it makes all the difference. Because it will cleanse you from inside. You know, it is to Jesus that the, the, the eyes of Joseph and Mary turn to. It is to Jesus and the shepherds. And even later on, the Magi come and behold. It is Jesus. They're not looking, they're not looking at the, the dirty or the smelly manger. No. Why? Because there is a cross across the hill. The ugly and the dirty, are, or the dirty of the manger undergoes a transformation and it becomes beautiful. Not because it stopped being imperfect. You will never stop being imperfect yourself. But it is Jesus in that manger. It is Jesus in you that makes you perfect. That manger welcomed Jesus. What about you? Will you welcome Jesus this morning in your imperfect life? Will you? Jesus continues to look for mangers today. Maybe even more filthy than that one that he was born in. I'm sure Mary made a nice clean out of it. I'm sure as a good mother, she would clean as much as possible to lay her baby there. But it didn't stop to be what it was. Our hearts need to be transformed into mangers that will cradle the Christmas Jesus. Just like the first Christmas, Jesus accepts us the way we are. However, He won't let us stay the way we are. Because He came to transform us. Has it ever happened in your life? Has it already happened in your life? Do you like to, do you like to know where this transformation can take place in your heart? I tell you, it's right on that cross. Is right on that cross. As you link the manger with the cross, between the manger and the cross, there was not much difference. They are related to the beginning of Jesus' life, birth and death. Two extremes. Two extremes. The manger and the cross. They are part of God's project for the salvation of humanity. Two extremes, two humiliating places for a man to live, for a man to be born, and for a man to die. Without a manger, there would be no cross. Without the cross, there would be no manger. The manger and the cross are made of wood and nails. Both were built as rustic objects, carpentry work. It's not coincidence that our Lord Jesus was raised as a carpenter. Both places are a scandal for us. They are the ultimate symbols of the humiliation of the Lord Jesus. They provoke us and destabilize us. 
In the manger, the Son of God is welcomed by simple people where the animals eat. On the cross, the Son of Man gives his life between two thieves. Maybe at a time the worst kind to be condemned to die on the cross. And he's condemned to the most cruelly and perversely possible way of dying. Between the first event and the second, just over 30 years passed. During this time, Jesus taught, healed, reprimanded, performed miracles, encouraged the mission, was persecuted, humiliated, and finally crucified. The manger is latent in the cross. And the shadow of the cross can already be seen in the manger. When we find the boy who was welcomed into Mary's lap, we also find the man who had his hands pierced by nails. Manger, cross, and later the empty tomb unite in our favor. Without our merit, have you thought about that as well? Without our merit. Hallelujah. Do you know what he called? That's grace. That's why Christmas happened. Shall we stand, please? My prayer this morning is that may your heart and faith continue to be warmed by daily reading of the Word of God and prayer. May you continue to participate in your Christian church and serve there with your gifts, with your talent. In this way, the joy and peace of God's presence will not only be related to a special time of the year in your life, but in your whole life, for the rest of your life, and for an eternity with Christ Jesus, the Lord of Christmas. Have a happy and a very blessed Christmas with Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.